millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Daily Tech News Show is brought to you by its audience and not outside organizations. To find out more, hit the dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, May 18th, 2018. Mom Merritt is away in Australia, but I, Sarah Lane, am holding down the fort. And I am Shannon Morse in Studio Hack 5 here in Oakland, California. And from the shores of Lake Erie, I'm Len Peralta. You know, it's so funny. Whenever Tom's out, I'm like, how's the show going to start? I didn't get a studio feline, and I actually have a feline in my studio today, which is rare, actually. Also holding on the fort and keeping everybody sane all week is producer Roger Chang. Hello, everyone. Hello. How's it going over there? Uh, Good. A little breezy, a little overcast, but uh, nice. Good. Well... All right. Uh, (laughs) Without further ado, it's Friday, guys. It's been a long week. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. This should be good news for anybody who is a Fortnite fan. Epic Games announced that the game is coming to Android phones this summer with customized features for mobile and battery saving mode, among others. Fortnite hit iOS in March and it was really popular. In fact, Sensor Tower, which is a mobile analytics firm, estimated that Epic made $15 million in in-app purchases in three weeks. The first three weeks it was in the App Store. Wow, that's a lot of money. It is. I will say I'm horrible. Should have been a gamer. Battle Royale. That game is so hard. So a new report from Strategy Analytics says Apple sold an estimated 600,000 HomePod speakers during the first quarter of 2018, about 6% of the global smart speaker market. Amazon shipped an estimated 4 million Echo smart speakers during the quarter, a 43.6% market share. Google shipped an estimated 2.4 million Google Home speakers for 25 market share. Alibaba racked up 700,000 shipments and Xiaomi shipped 200,000. Kind of a two-company race at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We have some more Apple news and let's talk a little bit more about it in our top stories. Apple paid 1.5 billion euros 
into an escrow account set up by the Irish government to hold 13 billion euros total in disputed taxes. In August of 2016, if you recall, the European Commission ordered Apple to pay the taxes. It ruled Apple had received as a legal state aid. Apple and Ireland are both appealing this ruling. Last October, the commission said it was taking the matter to the European Court of Justice over delays in recovering that money. So it looks like Apple's trying to be pro proactive, even if they're late. Also in Apple News, after rumors all week, local news station WRAL, that's in Raleigh, North Carolina, reports that Apple is set to open its second headquarters there. Apple announced in January it wanted to establish a second HQ beyond where it is in Cupertino and hire an additional 10,000 people. WRAL reports that the only real hurdle Apple faces in Raleigh now is local legislators passing a bill to give the company a package of tax incentives. A lot of tech companies already in the area, IBM, Cisco, Pfizer. It's a whole tech and, uh, and, and biotech industry. Yeah, surprisingly, I have, a, I have a lot of family over there in the Raleigh area, and the tech scene over there is crazy booming. Like, there's construction all over the place. So I'm not surprised that Apple is deciding to do this. Well, you know, the tax incentive thing, when I was up in San Francisco, you know, I lived there for a long time, that was the talk of the town, right? There were a lot of tech companies that, you know, threatened to leave. Twitter was a, w one of the um, the biggest um, examples of that. And, you know, the city, cities want to retain, obviously, companies and, and, and people and talent. And the tax incentive thing is kind of controversial. I don't know the details of, of Raleigh's specific, you know, proposals, but... It is a hub. What do they call it? Like it's like the tech triangle yeah, or it's a tech hub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it makes sense that they would be there because you've already got, uh, you know, a, a whole industry of, you know, at least the right, uh, you know, tech talent. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those markets that's up and coming. So a lot of people could see it as like, oh, I could grow a family here. So they definitely would be incentivized to move there, especially if Apple's there. Uh, moving on, The Verge got hold of a leaked copy of an internal Google video that illustrates how data could direct human behavior. The video was made in 2016 by Nick Foster, the head of design at Google's Research and Development Division X. But the video itself is being called creepy and disconcerting by some. Referring to Richard Dawkins' 1970. 1976 book, The Selfish Gene, the video premise imagines that people have an ever-evolving online data record, which Foster calls the selfish ledger. And in the future, tracking behavior can determine the direction of how that behavior will have desired results. Google tells The Verge that the video was designed to be provocative and did not relate to any products in development, at least yeah. in development yet. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. I kept seeing these headlines this morning, Black Mirror, ooh, what's Google doing? It's like, it sounds like somebody put something together to, to you know, get an internal team thinking about something, you know, it's, yeah. if it wasn't meant for the public. It's like, it doesn't mean that they're building products that, you know, are going to, you know, ruin everybody's lives. However, especially because it was, you know, in Google's uh, sort of, uh, you, you know, sandbox, you know, where they test a lot of stuff mm -hmm. in the X department, having uh, at least people in charge who are putting together uh, videos to get the employees of Google thinking about how data collection can influence people's behavior, especially these days, is something that obviously people are going to find troubling. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, <laughs> especially with AI and our issues with like security and privacy and everything. It could definitely be seen as um, a little bit too close to home, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have not read The Selfish Gene, um, mm-hmm. but uh, pr- perhaps I should. <laughs> Uh, in this day and age. All right, moving on. PayPal is buying Swedish payments provider iZettle for $2.2 billion. It's an all-cash deal, and it happens to be PayPal's biggest purchase to date. PayPal has bought a lot of companies, but this is the the most expensive. The deal is expected to close in Q3 of this year. iZettle's co-founder and CEO Jacob DeGeer will report to PayPal's COO Bill Reddy. And iZettle filed for an IPO just over a week ago. So this timing is probably not coincidental. It's uh, not surprising to me that PayPal is doing this. Um, I recently spoke to somebody who works in the credit card industry, which I used to. So we totally geeked out over beers for a long time. But I discovered that there is a lot of countries overseas that PayPal is currently not accepted in. I believe PayPal is currently able to be accepted in uh, Sweden. But the issue that they run across is a lot of people can't make further payments to other countries. So it completely makes sense that PayPal is trying to outreach and get the acceptance into other countries so that from there they can market towards, you know, other EU countries or other ones in, you know, the Middle East or wherever it might be. And um, it sounds so- like in this, you know, in this case, you know, would remains to be seen, but iZettle, uh, having iZettle CEO now report to a COO at PayPal means that it doesn't sound like it's going to be operating independently, right? Because no. it's, it, yeah, it's sort of merging a new market, unlike Venmo, which PayPal bought in, gosh, it's been a while now, 2013. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, for you know, all intents and purposes, they're totally separate products. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this definitely is, it's a good merger on PayPal's part, and it, it gives them the ability to become a worldwide company that can be accepted everywhere, no matter where you live. Uh, so this is cool. Good on you, PayPal. A title announced it is hiring an independent third-party cybersecurity firm to investigate a possible data breach, saying, we feel it is important to make sure that our artists employees and subscribers know that we are not taking the security and integrity of our data lightly, and we will not back down from our commitment to them. The action comes after a Norwegian financial newspaper published a story alleging title stats were manipulated and that the company was behind on payments to three major record companies after receiving a hard drive filled with title play data. Title, of course, denied the reports. Shannon, uh, I am not a title user. Um, I actually signed up for, uh, like, I used it for its free trial period, and then it ran out, and I just switched back to Apple Music. But, you know, no problem with title necessarily. But for title, which is backed by, you know, it's Jay-Z's uh, company, and, 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 and obviously it has, has quite a bit of investment, to not be able to pay royalty fees, which is the whole business strategy – you know, title says this isn't true, but where are these stories coming from? Right. It's it seems it's very surprising to hear hear this come from a newspaper unless they have some kind of valid proof, because if they didn't, wouldn't it be considered uh, slander? So so the whole the whole gist of it is that this and I, I left out the name because everyone would have a hard time pronouncing the paper <laughs> that we did day, last time. Really bad, yeah. Um, and they they received the hard drive data, and they had it uh, they had it they had it verified uh, through a, 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 a secondary or third uh, third party on the data. Now, what's so interesting is that Title has vehemently denied, like saying that the the information was all slander and it was there to just basically you know ca- you know throw shade on the company. It's doing fine, but a lot of critics are arguing, well. 
if it's all fake, then why are you launching an investigation into a data breach if nothing happened, right? Why why are you looking into it if uh, if you do indeed believe that there's there's uh, not you know th- those uh, that information that's been quote unquote leaked uh, is all fake, kind of. And so it's 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 very interesting, and it, there's a lot more that's going to happen out of this uh, whole thing because, really, what they were you know what they're uh, alleging to have hap- had happened is that they were inflating certain artists' uh, play play stats uh, in 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 uh, in favor of other ones, and so. Well, not in favor ex- at the expense of other artists. So basically, people were getting not paid for the actual v- or listens that they were actually getting, and so that would then call into question whether or not title is you know playing on a, on a fair and level table with all the people that they've signed uh, on contract. I mean, with all the music streaming service news that we cover, and Roger and I were talking about this this morning before the show, it's like, when was the last time we talked about Tidal two days in a row? Title <laughs> tends to get buried, and it's not because, you know, again, it's I'm sure they're, you know, it's a great product in its own way, but it's so far down market share yeah. that, you know, you see stories like this, and it's like, you, I think that lends itself to believing that maybe something really bad is going on behind the scenes because yeah. they just don't seem to be yeah. competing. And, you know, again, these are that. all allegations. So, the, 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 you know, it, it, it remains to be seen, but it is, it is a very interesting story. Could we say that title has not been making waves? <laughs> we could. Uh, <laughs> I bet someone will choose that for the show <laughs> later on. All right. So, Shannon, it's so great that you're here today because you are a security person and there's so much security news, um, even in, you know, just even today on a Friday. So I'm going to yeah. try to set this up for you based on Location Smart's most recent news. And then we can kind of backtrack and, and fill in the blanks. So Location Smart, a data aggregator that collects real-time location data on millions of cell phone customers via cell carriers, this is across North America, had a bug in its website that allowed anybody to see where a person is located without obtaining that person's consent. Now, the site had like a trial period page that lets you test the accuracy of its data before you, you know, sign up and give it money. The page required explicit consent. They have to do this from the user before location data can be used sent you a text message, you know, you you authenticate the whole thing. However, Robert Zhao, he's a PhD student at the Human Computer Interaction Institute at Carnegie Mellon, tells ZDNet that skipping the consent step still revealed location data because one of the APIs used on that page was not validating. And he kind of called it like a really elementary bug that uh, they should have known a lot better about. Yeah, it's it sounds like, and from what I was able to collect from his video, although he did not release the actual script that he created, was he wrote a very simple Python code that basically bypassed what was happening on their website to secure that, yes, I have given my consent consent from my my phone via that text message or downloading an app or whatever it might be uh, so that you can track my data and I've allowed you to do this and the reason why location smart ended up on everybody's uh, radar is because of this earlier story about Secura. And um, I, I believe we're going to talk about that a little bit more in our longer story. But 
it's it's amazing that you have this company who's been working in the background for so long and nobody really knew about them until now. And it's just this teeny tiny Python script that could unlock all sorts of information. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but given, you know, that we do videos online, that scares me a lot because I've, I've had like a real life stalker show up, you know, at my workplace. So it's scary to think that anybody could go to this website, bypass that consent authentication and be able to track wherever I may be within very, very good uh, GPS coordinates within a few feet. Very scary. Yeah, you mentioned Secura, so we might as well just get into how Location Smart played a role in, you know, a carrier like AT&T talking to Securus. They're not supposed to be able to sell that data, to, certainly not to the government, but there, if there's a third-party company, it gets a little bit murky, right? right uh, we covered yeah. Location Smart this week basically as the middleman on whether U.S. carriers were sharing user location data with data aggregators and were there legal loopholes that would allow them to do so? So how how do Securus and Location Smart talk to each other? So it's uh, it's not completely public as far as like what the back end agreement is here. But basically, um, what I have understood from the gist of my reading is that the the carriers online have agreed with Secura as far as um, like giving giving Secura information and then. Secura works with Location Smart as a third party to unlock all of the data about GPS coordinates. Um, but what's going on between um, with Secura and the government is that they are using it for uh, police calls, like with inmates and stuff like that. So it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. It's not the main reason that they're using the company. It's like an offshoot. 
But it's such a bit like, okay, it's an offshoot, but it's a yeah, you it's a huge yeah. privacy issue for it's, everyone it's who huge, has a cell phone. It's a huge concern. And a lot of privacy advocates were really irritated with this uh, this policy that came out of the federal government because it did have this loophole. It was only for the carriers, you know, ATT, Verizon, and everybody like that. You can't share that consumer data. But when they're working with a third party provider, that third party is able to do whatever they want with that data because they're a private company. So private companies aren't relegated or aren't, aren't um, uh, uh, you know, worked with the federal government the way that carriers are. So uh, let me jump in here. Uh, sorry, uh, but sorry. I'm I'm curious. So is, <laughs> is this more of a uh, uh, um, uh, legislation issue? Like, if we had laws in place that would prevent this, would this not be an issue? Or is there still some gray area because of the way the technology works that they could still do it, even if it were, you know, in a you know hush hush kind of way? Well, I think the problem is a lot of times with, you know, U.S. regulations, they they work really well, but they only work whenever they're catching somebody doing something wrong. So these companies could still collect all sorts of information with the technology that they have at hand. It's not until if we had some kind of regulation to uh, for these private companies that they would actually get caught and then they would have to like pay a fine or something like that. And that's not to say that they would never get closed down or something if they did have to pay a fine, but there's nothing currently in place as far as technology goes to block them from being able to do this. So we as consumers can't block them from tracking our phones if they know, you know our phone number, which is really unfortunate from that privacy standpoint. So, I don't know if regulation would actually fix the issue. I think it's more of a technological issue. Well, the Electronic Communications Privacy Act uh, prevents carriers from sharing user location directly to the government, U.S. government. Uh, it sounds like there aren't any restrictions in place on other companies. Right. However, there could be. Uh, the FCC has been asked to investigate the matter. It sounds sort of like, hey, we just had to add another line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really realized <laughs> what was going on and, you know, now we can fix it. Uh, but but that's the way you, do, you figure things out sometimes. <laughs> Now, uh, another thing that actually happened this week, which was kind of like, you know, like uh, scratching the head of, of uh, security was the whole PGBS S mime issue. Now, of course, uh, uh, there was that story that uh, that the EFF uh, pushed out there saying, like, everyone using PGP plugins stop right now. Don't use it. So we figure out what's going on, uh, you know, use an alternate communication method. But from what I understand, it's it's not really an inherent PGP flaw, but rather a a, a third party uh, plugin flaw. Or if you could explain or, or yeah. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I hit my mic, but um, I'll I'll kind of go into it and break it down by segments. Um, so in order to understand what the heck is going on with all these other news articles, you kind of got to understand what PGP and SMIME is. And they kind of work the same, not technol- technically on the background, but for the most part, they, they work with the same kind of idea. You have a public key and a private key, and you allow anybody to have your public key, and then you are the only person that has your private key. And if somebody wants to send you an encrypted message, all they have to do is stick their public or stick your public key with their private key, mix it up a little bit, and then send it on your way. And then when you receive 
that message, you can unlock it with your private key. And hopefully you're the only one that has your private key. So you're the only one that can see the plain text of that message. So if anybody else receives that message, whether it's PGP or SMIME, they shouldn't be able to see anything. It's just a bunch of garbledy gunk that doesn't make any kind of sense. Um, the unfortunate thing with eFail is it uses this technique to gain access to those PGP encrypted messages. Um, so first it needs to get access somehow, whether that's like watching your network and stealing your emails, or it could be as simple as knowing your email address and password so they can log in and they can read your emails, or it could be somehow gaining access to the email server, like whether it's uh, Gmail servers or Yahoo servers or whoever it might be. So they need to have access to those emails first off to make it work. Um, once they get access though, that's when they can actually use this e-fail technique to, to uh, kind of uh, make those messages a little bit different than what they originally were, they end up adding a little bit of code into the encrypted message. So you have an encrypted message that looks like garbly gunk. Up at the top, they stick a little line of HTML code. And this HTML code usually links to a picture. And HTML, when written out, it looks like a little bracket IMG, SRC, and then an image link. Sounds pretty easy as far as concerned, but when they create this link, they stick half of it at the top and then half of it at the bottom of the encrypted message, then they send it on their way. And when you open it up with your third-party email provider, whether it's Gmail or Windows, uh, Windows uh, Outlook, I don't use Outlook, or if it's, um, I believe it's called Apple Mail for Apple users. When you open it, these automatically look at that HTML and they say, oh, this must be a picture in your email. Let me go ahead and figure out this HTML code for you and turn it into an image. And oh, it also looks like a link. So I'm going to go ahead and send this to the link server. Well, that link server is the attacker. So when it looks at this picture, it's actually the plain text of your email. And that gets turned into the link for the picture that gets sent to the attacker's server. So when they, when the attacker opens up or gets a notification about this plain text message that should have been encrypted the whole time, what they're going to see is, you know, HTTP, the attacker server slash, instead of an image, it's your plain text uh, a message. It's your private private uh, details that you sent to somebody. And I think what makes it so ingenious and dangerous is that they can't actually see the email until you decrypt it. And, right. and, and essentially what this is, is that they're literally peeking over your shoulder when you decrypt this encrypted mail. So you are looking at your mail, but they're yeah. able to look at it too at the same time. And I think that's, I mean, it, it does does uh, present a huge security risk, but this isn't an issue with PGP. This is an issue with yeah, like this... the Outlook or, the, or, or your out, um, e email client. The, the the HTML thing has kind of been known for, for decades, like GNUPG, I believe they're called. Um, they came out with some information a long time ago, and they were like, hey, this is an issue. You need to make sure that if you use a third-party email service or if you run one, you need to either not accept HTML, not um, roll out H HTML or parse it out and give people these image links, 
or you need to make sure that you're not linking out to external links whenever people automatically decrypt these emails. So you can totally bypass this flaw if you're decrypting your PGP messages, if you're already using it, by either using a decryptor in the command line, or you can use one of the third-party services that don't even have the flaw in their email uh, service. So it, it only affects um, a few of the many different email providers that are available on the web right now. I know Gmail is affected for SMIME, I believe it is. Um, one of the ones that is not affected at all is ProtonMail. And they're one of the best like security providers I know of that does email services. Um, so if I don't like the fact that a lot of companies, including the EFF, are saying, stop using PGP, because I feel like that's uh, it's going to scare a lot of people away from that security. And one of the great quotes I saw from the GNUPG website was, that's like telling people, all the locks are flawed, take all the locks out of your houses, you know, take that lock off your front door because there's no <laughs> yeah. point in having it there. It's not perfect. So just have nothing. Yeah, it's not perfect. So might as well not have any security. We know PGP isn't perfect, but it's better than having no security because they it's still a targeted attack. So um, I recommend that people still use PGP. Just don't unlock it with a third party service that is vulnerable. Good explanation, Shannon. Thank you. Wow. Thanks, Sarah. Um, yeah, of course. Of course. No, that's that's why we love you. Um, no, that's great. And I'm sure there will be more updates to the story, and we will obviously cover them here on DTNS. Thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You help us choose our stories and learn a little bit more about what you're interested in. Submit stories and vote on them, dailytechnewshow.reddit.com. We also have a Facebook group. If Facebook's your bag, great. Hang out there. Facebook.com slash groups slash daily tech news show. We got an email from Russell Boyer, who is a uh, instructor uh, of business admin at Kansas State University. And he had some thoughts on our discussion with Scott the other day about exam cheating. Uh, that was on Wednesday. He says, educators are always going to be in an arms race with students because students are going to cheat. Wearables are problematic because a lot of faculty just don't realize the capabilities of these devices. That's the problem. I started asking my students to remove smartwatches during exams about three years ago, partly to prevent distractions, but also to block students from trying to crib from uh, notes on their watch or using a watch with a camera to take notes or take pictures of the exam very spy of them. Cheating on assignments outside of class has also become very problematic, though. Many faculty now employ some variety of online tool to help monitor their students' work. Many of my students' homework is in the form of Excel, and I use a system that adds digital fingerprints to homework assignments that alerts me when a student submits an assignment with any identifier other than their own. And then he uh, wraps up by saying, DTNS is the first podcast I recommend to my students as a way to keep up with what is happening in the world of tech. So thank you very much, Russell. Shannon, I, I know you don't have uh, children and you know in, in school <laughs> and, and ready to cheat yet, but the idea that uh, there's this whole new, you know, can't have a phone in class, but now can't have a smartwatch. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps in the, you know, in the future glasses as well. It's a, it's a, it's a real problem. Well, I went to college when cell phones were just starting to become a thing. And it was an absolute problem for a lot of teachers because not only would the phones ring in the middle of class, but people were figuring out that you can take 
what used to be black and white photos on your on your little flip phones but you could read the notes while you were in class just like stick them right underneath your textbook or something and you you would have access to whatever you needed so <laughs> it's it's a total arms race it's like a tennis match between the students and the teachers but you know i always advise advise don't cheat because you know i think you could get thrown out of colleges if you cheat these days so Right, like even if you get away with it, you still know you did it. Yeah. (laughs) Someone who does not cheat, though, is Len Peralta, who joins us every Friday and has been drawing um, a uh, customized uh, illustration of of what we talked about on the show. Len, what do you got? Yeah, you know, I'm always impressed, like you, Sarah, by the knowledge that that Shannon brings to the show. And uh, this is a, a little, you know... (laughs) <laughs> Something I did for her because I, I felt that she was, she was, uh, she's just such an amazing person. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so great. That's amazing. <laughs> I yeah, love it's pretty it. cool. Wow. I, I, I really, this might be my favorite thing I've ever drawn for the show. Dude, it's, just, it's, it's so really accurate. Cool. <laughs> it's just really cool. Um, like a- for those of you who are, aren't watching, um, it's, uh, it is the Obama Hope poster of course that meme uh but it says hack and it's a picture of uh of shannon oh my gosh uh, when you didn't have your don't have your pink hair anymore but uh that's sort of a rem- that's okay reminder. i'm i'll get some overtone and we'll make it happen again <laughs> so I'll it's have beautiful that. shepherd fairy was the original artist right yes i'm getting that right yeah i love it oh Pretty shannon frame cool. it Thank yes, you, and this is a oh, you're very welcome, Shannon. Uh, you, I mean, your your knowledge goes. It's just crazy. It's crazy good. Um, and uh, you can actually go to lemperaltastore.com, and if you want this poster, uh, you can do a digital download, or you can get it. Uh, you can just buy it. And uh, I'll sign it and send it to you. So there you go. Well, thank you, Len, for being here today. And every week, uh, your artwork is unparalleled. And um, couldn't do it without you. Also, thanks to Shannon Morse. Shannon, besides, uh, you know, researching PGP and Location Smart, what what have you been doing lately? Oh, man. We've been uh, doing a lot of stuff over on TechThing, T-E-K-Thing.com. Recently, Patrick Norton reviewed this really cool universal remote that you can speak to, and it's supposed to be able to get you to exactly to the thing that you want to watch, whether it's on your Roku or your Apple TV or wherever you might have this information. So it's really easy to use. And it was very, very fun to check out. And um, I've also been working really hard on ThreatWire over at ThreatWire.com. So if you want to learn all the ins and outs about the whole PGP S mime thing that was going on and those email vulnerabilities, definitely check it out. I also have a Patreon account if you want to support me there. Um, we absolutely do. What is it? <laughs> Patreon.com slash threatwire. It's real easy. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Shannon and Len. Um, speaking of Patreon, we have one too. Patreon.com slash DTNS. We also have a great store with some new merchandise. If you haven't been there lately, check it out. DailyTechNewsShow.com slash store. Our email address is feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com. We love your feedback. Keep it coming. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live. Monday is a special day. Tom is taking over. Special edition of DTNS from Down Under. It's an Australian roundtable with Peter Wells and Raj Dute. Roger and I and the whole gang will take back over on Tuesday. See you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Ah.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.